It doesn't matter whether one is 35 or 85. We should be enjoying life to the fullest. People talk about things whether they have the facts or not. So get there first with the facts and get them on your side. The way you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Hello and welcome to Elder Wisdom Stories from the Green Bench. I'm Erin Davis and it's my joy to be your host for these bi-weekly podcasts. Today we're at number seven, a very special episode among all these memorable chats we've had already because it's a look back, a look ahead and a look inside. This podcast is a place where we sit on our virtual green bench, an idea that began at Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care homes to talk with and about seniors, to share wisdom. We know a lot of folks who listen and post their comments and write to us are family of residents who are interested in what's happening in their loved ones' lives. Well, today we get an extra intimate inside look as my co-host, Schlegel resident, retired leader and educator, dad, grandfather, widower, Lloyd Hetherington and I get to sit down with the man who started it all, Ron Schlegel. His accomplishments alone could fill a podcast, but you know what? We're going to let Ron tell his story. Ron, it is, well, I don't even know how to invite you and, and welcome you to the Green Bench. When you got this whole thing started, can you tell us where the idea of the Green Bench began? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember myself. Uh, you know, we had uh, had this saying, uh, the greatest untapped resource in Canada is the wisdom of the elder. And uh, I just felt there was so much, you know, wisdom that res- resided in our senior folks. But, uh, you know, I came to really appreciate uh, their wisdom. And, and wisdom goes beyond knowledge, as you know. You know, information, then there's knowledge, then there's wisdom. That only comes with experience. And only only the seniors have it. And so they have a lot to share and to give to society and younger folks. And uh, so uh, I'm trying to remember how that translated into the green bench. I think that Ted would uh, know that better than what I do. And of course, we're talking about Ted Hudson, who is the online engagement manager for Schlegel Villages. That's right. I think Ted actually came up with the idea of the green bench, where we would take it public. I came up with the with the concept, I guess, of of the seniors uh, being the repository of of uh, wisdom, uh, but Ted put it into action, and uh, and uh, translated into the green bench program, which is now global. So tell us, how did it get global? Like you have a, a green bench that actually goes around to different places, or or explain that to us. Well, the uh, the physical green bench is actually uh, constructed by the community in which it is, although if it's within Canada and local, it would get shipped. But but by and large, it would get built in the community, and uh, they would have our specs as to uh, you know uh, how to build it, the size and the color and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's in Manchester, England, for example, yeah, they would build it their own, build their own. But if it's in Toronto... Uh, at uh, Nathan Phillips Square, we would take an actual green bench there. 
or uh-huh. or in our various villages as uh, as Lloyd is sitting in one right now. I just think it's such a marvelous concept. What I what I delighted in hearing you say was that there is such a difference between wisdom and education. I met many a wise person who did not have a, lot, a great deal of opportunity to book learning, but oh, they were so wise. Hmm. Uh, I met many an educated person, as you have in your academic experience, who knows all the th- theories, all the facts, but they don't have a clue as to how to apply them or use them. That's right. Uh, uh, Lloyd, uh, you know, I, I uh, must admit that I've gone through a lot of schooling myself, but... Uh, I see a lot of people who have a lot of schooling, but they don't has, have really a lot of education exactly, or, or, or wisdom. And uh, I take my father as an example, who is the other side. He, was, he had grade eight education, and uh, he always lamented that he didn't have advanced degrees and, uh, and that he wasn't uh, educated. I said, you're one of the most educated people I know uh-huh. because... You've learned through your lifetime a lot. And uh, you put us who've gone through a lot of schooling to shame. And uh, so I have to remind people that there's a big difference between schooling and education. Exactly. And then there's a further difference with the wisdom and education. What a heritage you have. Your father was wise, so wise, and he passed it on to you and to his grandsons as well. Well, uh, I, I hope so. We we do our best, uh, but yeah, for sure. Um, he had a lot of wisdom, and uh, he was a role model for myself and for my sons, my three sons. And uh, um, he was a wonderful role model in terms of how to apply knowledge. Well, let's go back and talk about your dad, your father, Wilfred. Everything that kind of happened with his life really had an impact on you and your interest in seniors. Can we go back to that, Ron, please? Sure. When I was uh, 10 years old, and uh, that was in 1953, and uh, my dad bought what was called a private hospital in London, Ontario, Egerton Private Hospital. And what it really was, was a nursing home or long-term care home, as we now know them. And uh, he moved our family into an apartment that was attached. Uh, so we lived in this apartment. I carried trays. One of my responsibilities was to carry trays uh, for breakfast before I went to school. I would run home at noontime to carry trays for lunch and again at uh, d- dinner time. Uh, so, uh, after s- supper, uh, I had t- often had time, and so I would go back and sit on the side of the bed of one of the seniors, and they would tell me stories. Hmm. I-, I often did my homework sitting on the side of their bed, and uh, they would help me with my homework. And uh, I just really became attached to, to the seniors, and uh, they gave so much to me in terms of... Uh, life and how to enjoy life to the fullest, no matter what one's age is. So uh, we lived there for three years, and uh, I did that every day, every day of the week. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, and seniors just became a part of my life. They were ingrained into my my bloodstream. It's kind of like uh, 
a, you know, a boy who grows up uh, on the farm. Mm-hmm. I also grew up on the farm, and, you know, farming gets into your bloodstream. And uh, likewise, uh, the, the seniors, they, they just my love for seniors just got into my bloodstream, and it stayed there ever since. It's certainly part of your DNA, Ron. When, when I see all of you, the ways you've interacted with seniors and doing research for seniors, it's very much part of your lifestyle. And I want to say a big thank you as a senior for what you have done and what you've encouraged your organization to do to look after us as seniors. Well, you know, Lloyd, uh, a big thank you to the seniors hmm. because they have given me everything, uh, my understandings that, uh, you know, have helped me to, des all the way from designing uh, our, our villages uh, as a village with a main street and a town square, that's come from the seniors. It's not just been fabricated out of my head. And uh, so I thank the seniors for having, having allowed me to um, develop those uh, appreciations. That concept of the main street is fantastic. I walk down it every day to the dining hall and I see the uh, place, the office and the library and the, the town hall. And it feels like I'm part of a village. Exactly. And so what, what I've tried to do is to uh, sort of recreate small town Ontario with the t main street and the town square. And then this, like I say, came from the seniors and what they've appreciated. And it's, it's allowed them to have a, a social experience. So, you know, in a retirement home, it's uh, it cares, basic and fundamental. But on top of that, it's a social lifestyle that's being created and makes for life purpose and uh, enjoyment. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter whether one is 35 or 85 or 95, we should be enjoying life to the fullest. That's right. With life purpose. That's right. And by building communities like that, you've enabled us to have that enjoyment. I know when I walk down the main street and see the activities and greet the people there and enter into it, uh, I feel connected. Yes, and that's exactly what we've tried to do. And, uh, you know, one of our best marketing approaches is not to take an, a person who's considering one of our villages for moving in, we, not to give them the big blurb, but instead just to walk down Main Street uh -huh. and, and let them experience it. And, uh, and they feel it. It sold me, Ron. It sold me on Riverside. Well, that's really good. Riverside, you mentioned, and, and the villages and stuff. I'm curious as to how, Ron, you go about naming these different villages. <laughs> yeah, good, good question. In the case of Riverside, it's beside the, the Speed River. Mm -hmm. And there's a, or it's part of a pastoral setting with the river. It's a glen. And uh, so we called it Riverside Glen. And, uh, you know, it's a result of um, us brainstorming a bit, but taking the attributes of the, of the local community rather than us be, yeah, the tagline underneath it is Schlegel Villages. But we're not first and foremost Schlegel Villages. We're Riverside Glen. Mm. Or in, in Etobicoke, we're Humber Heights because it's right beside the Humber River. And it's the highest point along the river. Uh, where the where the uh, hurricane 
uh, caused all kinds of flooding. Hazel, yeah. Yeah, that, a lot of that was celebrated at this school, which we took and, uh, and uh, kept the basic walls for the heritage and uh, uh, kept the story alive of what happened back in her, during, at Hurricane Hazel. And, and it's because wow. the school was used as the uh, refuge place and and uh, people were were dying in these floods along this uh, Humber River, and they were taken up to this school at the high point to save their lives. Hmm. Now it's a seniors' village, a place of refuge and uh, life and strength. Hmm. The message that I get listening to you, Ron, and of course to Lloyd as a resident, is the feeling of connection. And really that thread of connection sort of weaves its way through your life to today where you and Barbara, your wife, your three sons all hold leadership roles at Schlegel. Rob being CFO, Jamie president and CEO, and Brad VP of design and construction. Well, Ron, of course, your chairman. Now, oftentimes the offspring of business people don't choose to follow in their father or mother's footsteps. How did that work for you? Was it kind of preordained or was it a choice that your boys made themselves? Yeah, it was uh, the latter for sure. It was a choice that the boys made themselves. Uh, and now, mind you, there's no secret recipe to it, I don't think, but there are some uh, uh, underlying principles. And uh, that is what uh, uh, is to enable them, in fact, to uh, make that choice. And there's too many fathers uh, or parents who will push their children into the family business. And uh, that's one thing I decided I will not do, but uh, rather I'll uh, keep doors open, but they have to walk through those doors. And uh, they have to be willing to start at the bottom and uh, work hard. I wasn't going to just hand them a, a big prize, you know, at the top or something. They mm -hmm. all started at the bottom. Jamie and and Rob, both of them worked actual shifts on the floor. And now Brad didn't because he was a professional hockey player, and uh, and so he wasn't around uh, until he was 36 or 8, something like that. Uh, and he's worked on the floor since he's come back. But, but Jamie and Rob in particular, they worked on the floor as regular PSWs for a while, uh, you know, changing diapers or whatever. And so they started there, and uh, to see, do they, do they really appreciate and do they understand hmm. uh, elder care and want to do it? And Brad, by the way, if anybody wants to Google, look up Brad Schlegel. Uh, let's see if I've got this right. Calgary Flames, Washington Capitals, yeah. Uh, yeah. two Olympic silver medals with Team Canada, and also captain of the team in Alberville. That's quite a story there. I mean, any parent would be proud as punch just to have a son who had accomplished that. And now you've got all three of your sons in the family business, Ron. That's an amazing story. Yeah, I know it is. Uh... Uh, yeah, Brad has uh, done very well. Uh, as you say, he was captain of the 92 uh, Olympic team in Albertville, France. Mm -hmm. And Barb and I had the opportunity to be there those entire Olympics. Ooh. And uh, we saw him play uh, in a famous uh, shootout against Germany. And uh, and then they played in that at that time. It was the Commonwealth team rather than the Soviet Union or Russia. Right. Because the Soviet Union had fallen apart. And uh, so these players represented something. They weren't sure what they represented. Hmm. Uh, so they called them the Commonwealth team. And uh, 
uh, of Soviet republics. And uh, I must tell you one little story. Please. Actually, several stories, but <laughs> one little story is at the end, they won the gold medal. Mm-hmm. And uh, Canada won the silver medal. And afterwards, after the game, most of the people in, in, uh, in Maribel, that's where the games were being played, had migrated to Albertville, where the closing ceremonies were happening. Mm-hmm. And so the streets in Maribel were were basically uh, haunted. They were not haunted, but there was, there was no one there other than the teams that were finishing off the hockey uh, tournament. Right. And so... Uh, Dave King, who was the coach, he had uh, uh, a restaurant booked so the Canadian players could go in and uh, celebrate uh, whatever they achieved, silver or gold. It turned out it was the silver. And uh, so the parents were invited. Marv and I were invited as well. So while we were walking to the restaurant, I saw these uh, players with raggedy tag clothes walking up and down the streets of Mirabel with no place to go carrying their hockey equipment. So I went to Dave King and I said, would it be okay if we invited the Commonwealth players to join the Canadians? And uh, so Dave said, yes, it would be okay. So Barb and I went out and we invited them. (laughs) And they joined in with the Canadians. Mm. They had won the gold. The Canadians had won the silver. And it was wonderful to see the two countries celebrating together. Wow. And the so. The Soviets, they didn't have money to go to a restaurant. Mm. So the Canadians picked up the tab. Wow. Such a great experience. Yeah, the true spirit of what the games are supposed to be all about, right? That's right. That's for sure. So you've got this family business now. And you can't help but look through the annals of business over the last, I don't know, 100 years or so, and you see the names Vanderbilt, Carnegie, Cadbury, Bronfman. A lot of companies don't survive being passed on from generation to generation. What do you think is the key if you're going to give advice to business leaders who are working with and alongside family? What what do you think is the key to success in a family business, Ron? One thing that I did was I went to uh, several family businesses that had succeeded. And uh, I talked to the founders and asked, uh, how did they handle succession, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a really fundamental topic. So I learned a lot just by talking to people who have actually gone through it prior to myself. And uh, there were the seminars as well, uh, where the so-called experts you know, came in and give their spiels. But, you know, I learned the most from the people who really went through it. And and one was, you know, to give the choice to them, to let them walk through the door, don't push them. And also then to try to match their abilities with the company needs. Mm. Uh, and this is where I was maybe fortunate and maybe lucked out more than anything, is that uh, Jamie, as you mentioned, he's the CEO uh, president of the of the company companies, and uh, uh, Rob is the CFO, uh, and uh, they both fit those requirements so well, and they 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 discussed it amongst themselves, uh, and when Brad came back, they discussed it with him. In fact, they made Brad work for uh, two years, where he had to work for them, 
to see how he uh, enjoyed it and, and whether they could get along mm. as three brothers. And at the end of that, they sat down again, uh, uh, reconfirmed uh, their roles, and, and Brad chose his role. He always wanted to be an architect, but he didn't really have the schooling for it um, because he was playing hockey. Right. And, and so he learned on the job mm-hmm. uh, how to essentially be a, a designer and uh, supervise construction. And so now he's handling like jobs that are 50 million and 100 million that Brad is, uh, is uh, supervising and coordinating. So they, they decided amongst themselves what their abilities were and how they best fit in. And, you know, uh, I'll confide in something kind of personal to, to the company that uh, Jamie and Brad are twin brothers, identical twin brothers. Oh, no. Ron McLean, uh, he, he got them mixed up. They, they are so like Jamie and Brad uh, that I couldn't tell them apart till they were 16 years old. <laughs> and then I could only tell them apart because Brad had a, a scar on his, on his uh, right cheek Jeez. for playing hockey. Anyhow, we uh, Brad was playing in the in the finals uh, of the uh, Olympics, and Jamie meanwhile was finishing off his master's degree in accounting. And uh, I said to Barb during the first period, "This is crazy that that uh, you know here's his friend brother playing in the Olympics and going into the final round, and Jamie's over in the library studying." And uh, <laughs> and, and so. I said, I'm going to give him a call at the end of this period and tell him to come over. Yeah. So, so I said, tomorrow's the same d- a week to the day that we came over. Here's the flight we took, et cetera, et cetera. Try to get that flight and uh, then get on a certain train at Paris and so on. Like the chances were about 2% that he, everything would connect. Anyhow, it did. So the next day, and this was the game against Germany, and uh, Jamie was sitting up about but eight rows in the stands with Barb and myself. Ron McLean goes walking around the uh, bottom with all the TV cameras in tow, and he sees Jamie up in the stands. <laughs> and he and he wonders, what in the world, Brad, you're not playing in this important game? And uh, are you injured? Or did you have a follow to Dave King, the coach? So <laughs> Ron McLean comes up and starts interviewing Brad. It being Jamie. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, it was so funny that he thought this was Brad he was talking to. And as he was talking to Jamie, Jamie said, look out there on the ice. And just then Brad came out from the dressing room onto the ice. Ah, and here Ron thought he had the <laughs> scoop of a lifetime. Oh, my gosh. That's wonderful. He was going to get it for the story. Yeah, you know? right. Oops. <laughs> so that was funny. This story about your family. Just confirms that you have your priorities right, family first, and then business, and that's the way it should be. But by the same token, you know, though you put family first, you had expectations that they would pull their weight, that they would succeed. And I, from what I have have observed in my limited contact with you, is that you practice a servant leadership, where. Like you had, you said your boys were hands-on, actually changing the diapers yeah. and do, do, yeah, yeah. doing the footwork, and that permeates uh, the places that I'm aware of, where I where I see our general manager clearing the tables and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. pitching in and giving a hand. So, yeah, I love that servant leadership where the management is by walking around and getting to know the people and getting to know the environment. 
That's right. And uh, uh, yeah, servant leadership. And, you know, my dad was a servant leader way back before people had, had developed that, that term. Uh, he was a social entrepreneur. He was a servant leader. He was out there in the community working with people, working beside them. They started a new church just west of London, and my dad was the first pastor. But he was the leader. He was definitely the leader of the group. He assigned tasks to others, gave them the better tasks. He always took the dirty tasks. Mm-hmm. I know that there were some people who, I was so young at that time, only five years old, but there were some people who told that story, how my dad always saved the dirty tasks tasks for himself. Wow. And so it, it came it came in by an honest way. What an example of leadership, huh? Boy. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there comes with it a certain amount of stress, too, I would imagine, as the sons of the man whose name is on the company, Schlegel, and of course, they have such high roles now. Did they feel a lot of pressure to overperform so that nobody thought that they just kind of inherited the jobs or that there was any of that going on, Ron? Did you ever have that discussion with your sons? No, we never really have. I just said, be yourself. Yeah. And that's the way they've been. Be yourself. Be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't try to be something you're not. Uh, and I think they pretty much lived up to that and very much lived up, uh, all, all of them, to being servant leaders. According to a piece in Forbes, a successful business is built on people and how they relate to others. Is that the servant leadership that you and Lloyd are referring to, that sort of an example that you're setting for everyone in Schlegel Villages and beyond? I think so. Yeah, the the people is what makes us. And uh, it's servant leadership. Uh, It's not what we do so much as what we enable others to do. And we're all pulling together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to describe, but uh, uh, it's uh, like my dad. You save the dirty stuff for yourself, right. mm-hmm. and you enable others to succeed and things like that. But yeah, it's very much people, people, people. Yeah, it's a, the us and the we. We're a team together, and that's what I love about the employees. Well, they're not employees; they're team members, and and they they play the they. I was going to say they play the game so well, but they really work together well as a team. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. That uh, they're they're team members, as you said, uh, for for a reason. They're not employees; they're team members. Mm-hmm. We're all working together, and you know they have huddles there on the floor, and uh, some of the best ideas, well, the best ideas come from the people, the team members who are working. On the front lines. That's right. And giving their, giving their ideas. That's where the best ideas come from. Uh-huh. What is your wish for 2021, Ron? Everybody's kind of looking ahead. And, uh, of course, we're all hoping for good health and to get through dark times. But what is your wish? Well... It's, it's sure it's to continue providing villages in more communities if we can, if we have the resources. Well, we'd like to provide more villages to, to some other communities. I know there's mayors uh, of cities who are coming to us and saying, please come with this village concept. And, uh, boy, if I had stamina that would keep me going 24 hours a day, we'd be building many more villages. But we know that's not possible, but we'll do what we can 
And we also want to maybe start, um, especially internationally, there's been a lot of uh, uh, groups from China, for example, who've come over to the RIA, the Schlegel UW Research Institute for Aging, and uh, uh, to look at what we're doing and the village idea. And uh, they say, could you come over and uh, build some villages in Shanghai? Well, you know, building 19 villages in Shanghai would be a drop in the bucket. So what, what one of my wishes is that uh, we bring over some of the folks from China and have them with us for, say, six months where we work together and sort of try, jointly develop the village concept that's best for China and Shanghai and then enable them to go back and to, uh, to build those villages in, in uh, Shanghai. Wow. So that's what I wish, an international uh, program of some sort, exchange program. Mm. Now, all of the education that you yourself have attained, uh, University of Western Ontario, University of Illinois, Ohio State, and numerous awards and accolades, even though it's been since 1991 that you were a university professor, you're still passionate about research related to aging and seniors. Research drives it should drive innovation. And we follow a model uh, of... Um, uh, incubation, acceleration, and uh, mobilization. It, we, we do this research within Schlegel Villages, not for the sake of, you know, just being, holding up Schlegel Villages, but rather so we can apply it and that we can offer it to others, mm -hmm. to other uh, long-term care and retirement homes in the province and in the country. And far beyond that, can we talk about your studies of bone density and the space program, Ron? Yes, yeah, that's uh, exciting stuff. Rich Hewson, he's a PhD in uh, in physiology and brain health, and uh, Rich is doing probably the leading research for the health effects of uh, astronauts being in uh, zero gravity conditions for an extended period of time. And so, what Rich has found is that when astronauts are up in the international space station for six months, they advance in their bone density by, by I should say, by advancing, by losing mm -hmm. bone density by either six years or 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's a huge amount, huge amount. So they're only up for six months and they lose a lot of bone density, a lot of bone calcium. Now, he then has gone on to study it further and said, well, where does, where does that... Uh, uh, bone density go? Well, he's done further studies and found out that it deposits on the inside of the arteries. Mm. So, in fact, astronauts are developing, quote, uh, hardening of the arteries, literally. Wow. wow. It's amazing work that he's doing. And almost everything he measures, uh, whether it's uh, insulin resistance or whatever, is advancing age-wise by six years. And, and the question now is, A, can we prevent it? And B, can we recover from it? And those are all lessons that apply directly to aging. Mm -hmm. Can we slow down or re reduce the aging process? We can study astronauts to find the answers to those questions. And Rich Hewson, in our labs, the Schlegel UW Research Institute for Aging, uh, is... Uh, 
is the le- leading researcher in the world for looking at the health effects of uh, space astronauts. That is incredible. Yeah, amazing. Your reach has been so large that I don't think that most people who drive by the villages or who are listening to this podcast, which, by the way, is just another way that you have managed to reach out to people and spread the wisdom of the Green Bench. 19 homes, 5,000 beds across Ontario, Homewood, St. Jacob's Market, Turkey Farms. (laughs) What gives you the most joy, Ron? What gives you joy in your life? All of those areas give me a lot of joy. Uh, I wouldn't be in them if, if they didn't. I, I must say that uh, working with seniors is perhaps the most rewarding. You know, with the 19 villages spanning from uh, Windsor uh, through the GTA to Whitby and to Barrie and so on, and now going to Ottawa, it's, it's, it takes a lot of capital. We're taking up a lot of our capital resources. You know, and I don't look... Uh, strongly at what return are we getting on that capital. I mean, I look to make sure we're not going bankrupt. We're no good to anybody if we go bankrupt. Right, yeah. But, but, but I don't look to see whether we're making 13% or 9%. What gives me my reward is to walk in any one of the villages and see the faces of the resident. Mm-hmm. And I, I see the joy they have in their face. That's my reward. I just... I'd like to build on what uh, Ron has said, that he enjoys what he's doing. And that is the secret. If you're not enjoying it, get out of it. Don't be, don't be involved. That's right. Because if you can enjoy it, you'll work hard, you'll accomplish a great deal, and everyone will, will benefit. Exactly. If you don't enjoy it, it's just a tedious task that nobody likes. That's right. I'm glad you mentioned this. Lloyd, you hit the nail right in the head. I've given uh, several talks at uh, convocations uh, at universities, uh, and I have the topic of every one of my talks is uh, mm. all callings are great if greatly pursued. Mm. All callings are great if greatly pursued. And that's exactly what you said, Lloyd. People ask me, when am I going to retire? I'm 77 years old. Uh, a couple of months, I'll be 78. When am I going to retire? I said, it's technically impossible mm-hmm. for me to retire because I've, n- I've never worked a day in my life. Mm. <laughs> oh, I like that. And, uh, and so I said, this is exactly the point you just made, that if you don't enjoy what you're doing, get out and do something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it could be uh, giving out hamburgers at McDonald's or whatever. If you enjoy doing it and interacting with your customer, uh, good, that's great. But if you don't enjoy whatever it is you're doing, uh, then get out. Just to, You said it better than what I could. That was exactly my last question. What do you say to people who say, well, Ron, when are you going to you know, kick back and retire? But you've answered it perfectly. Retire from something that you love? Why would you? That's right. Well, you can't. It's, it's technically impossible right. to retire uh, because I enjoy everything. And it's never been work. Never been work. (laughs) And on a personal note, I hope that I can speak for Lloyd here and for the Memory Tree team and for all of us. Thank you for putting your faith into this podcast. The reception to it has just been unbelievable. And through you, through us, we're managing to share elder wisdom and stories from the Green Bench. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having that vision, too. And thank you for this opportunity, Aaron. And Lloyd, to you. Oh, Ron. It's been a delight to sit on the bench with you. 
I value so much of what you've said. I value your wisdom, your warmth, your caring, your compassion. Delight to be part of it. And we'll make every make it a reality someday, Lloyd, when we get this vaccine out and about. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> There's a seat waiting for you on the bench. That's what we always say. That's right. That's right. Thank you to both of you. What a delight. Lloyd and I return next time with a chat that is just, well, it's a real slice of life. Humor, heartbreak, and a woman you will not soon forget. Her name is D, but I promise you, you'll give her an A. Plus, plus, plus. <laughs> I hope you'll join Lloyd and me for that. And please subscribe for additional episodes every two weeks. You'll be notified just as soon as they're up. And we invite you to share your thoughts and opinions on social media using hashtag Elder Wisdom to help everybody find us on this green bench. Please just take a moment to rate and review the Elder Wisdom podcast. And if it's easier, just go to www.elderwisdom.ca to find the link. While you're there, take the Elder Wisdom Pledge. I'm Erin Davis. From Lloyd and me, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.